0: the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is Sexagesima Sunday. The word Sexagesima meaning 60, letting us know that we are roughly 60 days from celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, the bestower of all of our lives. And on this day, as we continue in this three-week period, the second week of the three weeks of preparing our souls to enter into Great Lent, we hear the parable of our Lord Jesus Christ, the parable of the sower from the Gospel of St. Luke in chapter 8. Allow me to sum up this parable for us. The sower who sows the seeds in this parable is our Lord Jesus Christ, and the seed that he scatters all abroad. The seed that he offers is his life, life in him. The grace that he gives, the God of our salvation, the grace he gives to bestow life upon us, to save our souls. The power of God that redeems us and transforms us and makes us new. This is what the fathers say. The sower is our Lord Jesus Christ and the grace is the life he gives. And we come to see something of the nature of God when you look at. At the parable of the sower. Because the sower is constantly. Bestowing life. The sower is constantly. Scattering the seeds of life. This is the heart of God. To take that which is broken. And frail and lost. And wrap it up within himself. And save and redeem. Bestowing his life upon us all. Saint Cyril of Alexandria. Said it this way. Christ is truly the sower of all that is good. And we are his farm. The whole harvest of spiritual fruits is by him and from him. He taught us this when he said, without me, you can do nothing. And so now let's take a look at what happens to the seed that he scatters all across the land. Well, the first time we see it, the seed has fallen upon a pathway, a wayside. What this is is a well-trodden path, considered one of the highways of the day where many feet with sandals and animals had gone over it, which means the ground was compact and hard. And when the seed fell on the hard soil, it could never make its way into the moisture underneath, into the soul. It's that hardened soul where no life can happen. Jesus says this is the hardness of the heart of man that he offers life to, but the heart can never receive it, so Satan steals away the great gift. And robs them of the life. Then we see some so- some ro- excuse me, seed fall on some rocky ground. Where there is very little moisture the gospel says. And this seed Jesus said. Are those who receive the life. But the temptations and all of the distractions of this world. Keep that person from attending and cultivating the seed. Removing the rocks and taking care of it. And life is robbed from them. And the third type of ground that, it saw, that the seed goes onto to is thorny ground. And the thorns of this ground choke out the life. And our Lord Jesus Christ says that these thorns, these are the pleasures of this life, the worries, the anxieties of this life, the cares of this life, the riches of this life, all of these things get into the human person. And because we are so focused and downtrodden by these things, they choke out the life of Christ and it never blossoms. And finally we find the seed that falls on fertile soil. Soil that has been dug up, cultivated, and all of the thorns and rocks and everything removed. And that seed is taken care of in that good soil. It's watered, it's cultivated, and up comes a crop in that ground a hundred. And our Lord Jesus Christ says, these are those who have prepared their hearts, who have received the soil of of the seed. And when they receive the seed, they're like the spiritual athletes we talked about last week, who are constantly, diligently pressing into Christ, working with the grace of God, cultivating the great gift of our salvation within. And it blooms not only for that person's salvation, but that many experience the life-giving seed of our Lord through that Christian. This is the parable that our Lord offers us. The truth of the parable is this Our Lord Jesus Christ is the giver of life. We are the recipients of that life. Therefore, it is extremely necessary for the Christian to live in such wonderful and diligent relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ that he takes care of the soil of the soul into which the seed has been planted, constantly keeping it healthy watering it, which means attending to the voice of the Holy Spirit and the leadership of Jesus Christ in our lives, leading us from green pasture to green pasture and through all of those deadly areas of life that would seek to tempt us, destroy us, and devour us. But there's something else that the fathers point out about this. Not only cultivating the good soil, but we are also being sober and diligent. To be sure that we let nothing in that soil. And indeed remove everything from that soil. That chokes the life of Christ out of us. Just as our Saint Peter said. Live a sober. Aware. Diligent. Recognizing these things. As the Holy Spirit points them out. A few weeks ago. It was very unfortunate that I had to cancel a mass. Because I got ill just the day before. And that mass would have been a mass. That we only do once every five, six, seven years. Because Epiphany was so much longer this year. Because we're about as late as we can be in celebrating Pascha on May 2nd. And the Lord as I prepared for that weekend. And through those scriptures, there's a word that was still to be for us. That will be given this day. Because it has everything to do not only with our preparation for Lent. But it also has to do with a subject matter, something we all have to deal with from time to time that truly will choke the life out of every Christian. And our Lord wants it dismissed from our lives. In that Mass, on that day, we would have heard the parable of the unforgiving servant. From the Holy Gospel of St. Matthew, in chapter 18. And the reason we need to visit this today is because harboring unforgiveness in our lives towards others who have offended us, keeping that rather than working with Christ to receive his great gift of mercy through us, that we can release someone. If we keep someone to their offenses, we destroy our own soul. And anyone who has walked in unforgiveness, no matter what it is that someone has done to you, Anyone who's walked in unforgiveness knows the heavy burden and the grip that it has on the psyche, the emotions, the soul, the entire being of God's precious creation. It's the very reason that our Eastern Orthodox brothers and sisters in Christ, the very Sunday before they begin Great Lent, have what is called Forgiveness Sunday as they enter into Lent. And during that forgiveness Sunday, every parishioner, every faithful in Christ goes to one another and says these words in utter humility, forgive me a sinner. And then I tell you, the grace of God moves through the one that was just asked to forgive. And the person responds, God forgives and I forgive. If I could translate that differently for you to understand what they're really saying. God forgives. That's His nature. And because that's who He is, I give you the same. You know, we do that in the Western Rite. We do that at the washing of the feet on Monday, Thursday. We exchange the same words. Why? Because the Lord wants us free during Lent in the power and the grace to free our souls in this blessed and holy season. He wants to grant us his nature to forgive. And there's a reason for that. Because we know that until we do, we are the we are the only ones in burden and bondage. Lent is a holy season of release, my friends. And so in that scripture, let's have a look at the parable of the unforgiving servant just briefly. Jesus starts the parable like this and our ears should perk up when he says, the kingdom of God is like. He's about to tell us something that is so infinitely true about our lives, our souls, our salvation in him. When he tells this story, that there was a king settling up with all the debts of all those who owed him money. And one servant comes before him and the debt he couldn't pay in ten lifetimes. He had so much debt To the king. And so the king looks at the debt on the ledger and he says, Sell his children, sell his wife, throw him into prison until he can pay it all off, which would have been impossible in his lifetime. And so the one who was in debt falls before the king and pleads for mercy. And we're told that the king had compassion. And he erased this insurmountable debt that he could have never paid back and released him completely. And boy was he thankful. But now he goes off. Being a recipient of such incredible forgiveness and mercy. And he finds one of his fellow servants that owes him just a few days worth of labor and debt. A very small amount compared to what he owed. And he asks for it back. And and this fellow servant falls just like he did before him and asks for mercy. But the one who receives such incredible mercy gives none. And he has the man cast into prison. Until he can repay the small debt that he owed his fellow servant. Well the king finds out about this. And the king is extraordinarily angry. There is anger burning in the heart of the king. Towards this servant. And he calls him before him again. And he looks at him he says. I forgave you such an insurmountable debt. That you could have never paid. And this servant. This servant who owed you so little, you couldn't do the same for. And he has him cast from his presence into and handed over to the torturers, put into prison until he could pay the insurmountable debt. Our Lord says the kingdom of heaven is like this. My friends, what is it telling us? What we already know in part, but in some ways need to be greater awakened to. That unforgiveness is absolutely deadly to the soul of any human person, including the Christian. And the reason that it is so burdensome to us, the reason that it ties us up in such unnatural knots within ourselves, is because of this truth. That it is so infinitely and absolutely opposite of the nature of the God who has created you and me. And if we were created in his image. To grow in his likeness. Every human person is created in his image. To grow in his likeness. Then we too naturally in Christ. Will be growing in the mercy and forgiveness of God. And being able to extend it for others. And when we hold that. We really are rejecting our own human creation. And that's why we get so ripped up inside when we lack forgiveness. And in that same mass, two weeks ago, we would have heard the intro, which would have been from Psalm 130. And it's there because it presents the nature of God to us. Let's look. The psalmist says, and truly cries out, out of the depths have I cried to you, O Lord. What depths? The depths of his sin. Out of the depths of all the ways that he is not like the God that he's presenting himself to. The ways that he has failed. All of his frailties. Out of those depths I cry unto you, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities. That is, if you take all of these things of the depths that I am in. You take all of the things that I've done so opposite of you, and you hold them to me. Who can stand? Who would be able to stand? But, listen to the psalmist. There is forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption. And he shall redeem Israel for all his iniquities. Are you hearing the nature of God? Yes. Who takes the very depths, the moments where we are the worst of us. And when we come before him crying out to him. What is it that he gives the penitent every blessed time released from the depths? He fills in the hole that we've dug and he sets us on solid ground. And he heals our conscience. And he takes the weight off of our soul for the wrongs we've done in our human brokenness. This is the God of limitless and absolute forgiveness. He is the king of mercy that releases us from debt we have no prayer to pay back. And he tells us, you go. You must do the same. You must be a liver of that mercy. I have had so many of you come to me and I have gone to those who spiritually looked after my soul saying words like this. I am so struggling to forgive this person. Whether it's somebody that did something to me recently or something great and awful that someone did to me that greatly damaged me back early on in my life. And I will even utter these words and I've heard them come from your mouths to me. I, just, I can't seem to forgive them. My words to you, and my words always to you, will be this. Of course you can't. Of course you can't. Why would you think, in your imperfections, and in your brokenness, and in your woundedness, and in your frailties, how could you even sit there and think you ought to be able to do this? It's impossible in our humanity. But my friends... The incarnation is true. The incarnation is real. Our Lord Jesus Christ even took this aspect of our brokenness and he joined it to his divinity that we may be partakers in his divine nature that where we lack the ability to forgive those who have painfully wounded us, the nature of God can so fill us and express that forgiveness allowing us to be released when we've held someone so captive to what they've done he grants us the ability to become partakers of the divine nature of mercy so that his forgiveness can flow, can flow through us and release us and save us and I would ask that we all That we inquire of the Holy Spirit this question, because this is the reason there are things like Forgiveness Sunday, a message like this, and our Monday, Thursday, forgiveness of one another, to experience the grace of His forgiveness. Ask the Holy Spirit, where and who do I need to release through your forgiveness, Lord, so that I can finally be forgiven? My friends, I'm going to email you this, a prayer that I've given to many, and they have truly found the grace of God in praying this prayer. It's our orthodox prayer for the forgiveness of others. And I want to read just a few bits of it to you so that you understand Christ's activity and his fellowship with us in this prayer. When we pray struggling to forgive someone else, here's the prayer. O Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, the shepherd and the lamb, who takest away the sins of the world, who gavest remittance unto the two debtors, and didst grant remission of her sins unto the harlot. What's the first thing we're doing? We're not asking to forgive anyone yet. Our Lord in his wisdom, as we pray this, he's taking our face and saying, look at my nature. Look at who I am. I reveal myself to you. I am the God of limitless mercy. I forgave the sins of the harlot and the debtors. I forgave yours. Look at me. See me. Experience my nature. And only then do we pray. Do thou thyself, O Master, loose, remit, and pardon the sins and transgressions and iniquities of, and we mention, whoever it is we need to release. Whether voluntary or involuntary, whether known or unknown whether by mistake or disobedience, which thy servants have brought, and whatever they have done as men bearing flesh and living in the world, being beguiled by the devil, let them be loosed by thy thy word, forgiving them their sins according to the greatness of thy mercy. O Master and Lord, lover of mankind, hearken unto us who are entreating thy grace for these thy servants, And as the greatly merciful one overlook their transgressions and deliver them from eternal torment. Do you understand what we're praying? We're not praying for a human ability to forgive. We're praying that the forgiveness and mercy that is the nature of Jesus Christ so fill our soul. That we can offer that to the person who has transgressed against us. And when we do. We are the ones free. Forgiveness will ch- unforgiveness will choke the life out of the seed that's been planted in us. Let Christ forgive through you and let yourselves be relieved in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.